It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Hello, I'm Carol Swain, and this is the Be The People Show. My guest today is Monique Dusen, and she's a young woman that contacted me about critical race theory. It seems that Monique has spent most of her life uh, being an advocate, a social justice warrior, but now she travels the country talking about critical race theory in the church. So help me welcome Monique Dusen to the Be The People Show. Good morning. How are you, Monique? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. So give us a little bit about, first, define for my audience, what is critical race theory and why should they care? It sounds like a course that takes place in a university, not something that affects everyday people. Okay, so... Really quick, um, critical race theory is the study of society. Critical, it comes out of um, the critical theory school from like the Frankfurt School back in the late 20s and 30s. And it, it really breaks society down into who is being oppressed and who is being and who are the oppressors. And so from critical theory, you then get things like critical legal studies. So who is being oppressed within the legal field? You get critical race studies, who is being oppressed by their race. And from there, you get things like queer studies, fat studies, ableism, all of these different um, studies that look at the people who may be oppressed and the people who are oppressors. It's a study of society. Okay. And... Today, we're focusing on critical race theory. And according to what they argue, uh, tell us how it affects the relationship between whites and blacks and blacks and Hispanics and whites and Hispanics. So what is argued is that whites would be an oppressive category, especially white straight males would be the like highest oppressor, uh, oppressor group. If oppressive, if oppressors were listed in a category, you would have white straight men at the top. And then anything under that would be um, more of an oppressed group. So women would be under men. Um, people of color would be under people who are white gays would be under people who are straight. Anyone who um, identifies as LGBTQ would be under um, the people who are straight. And so it, it um, impacts the white-Black relationship in that we are constantly in a cycle of oppressed and oppressors. There is no, no real structure for us to be released from this because of, according to critical theory or critical race theory, the way our American society is set up, and actually not just our American society, but um, the Western society itself, the way it's set up, it's that um, race as a social construct has been constructed to put anyone who is a person of color under anyone who is white. Does that make sense? Yes, and and going forward, we're going to even make it a little bit more uh, simplistic for the audience, not because the audience is simple, 
but because the social justice warriors, my interest uh, has been mostly that it's invaded the church, even Christian academies. Mm -hmm. And you think about uh, critical race theory is related to cultural Marxism. When Karl Marx and his theories failed, then what did his followers do? They did a serious self-reflection of why you know, why didn't the revolution take place and the proletariat do this uprising, you know, and overthrow the bourgeoisie? It didn't happen. They looked at the culture and for America in particular, they felt that it was the Christian roots, those Judeo-Christian roots. Mm -hmm. And what they have done, and I know you know this, is that they have very gradually, they had a plan and it took many years for it to take in place, but they came up with, the, with that, this cultural uh, Marxism. And that's where you get political correctness, microaggressions, trigger warnings, and all of the nonsense that takes place on, on ca campuses, college, college and university campuses. But now it's affecting K-12 schools and private Christian academies. Now, I know, Monique, that you have spoken out about the church. What does the church need to know about critical race theory and how it will affect their congregation if they push it and adopt it? I think that's a, a great question, and I'm really trying to, to reflect on, because there's so much to be said about it. Um, to me, the main point that, or one of the main points that the church needs to understand about accepting critical race theory into their congregation and into the, the Christian framework is that it completely separates us as, as believers. We have those who are our white believers, who are oppressors, and we have those who are people of color um, as believers, and they are oppressed. We never get the unity that Christ prayed for us to have. The unity in John 17, that they may be one, that this they would have this collegiate oneness, this oneness of mind is not possible when all I can do as a person of color is relate to a white person as being my oppressor, as being someone who is always going to have this one-upness on me. That isn't that isn't the way that Christianity historically has been founded. That isn't the way that the early church related to one another as Jews and Gentiles. When we look at um, early Christianity, we see that we were either in Adam or we were in Christ. And that is exactly how we should be relating to one another. Not am I white needing to repent from my racism, needing to do the work to make me a social justice warrior so that I can now um, fulfill almost my, my requirement to show a person of color that I am no longer racist. Well, the thing about it is that with that narrative that all white people are oppressors, uh, it really uh, seems to be that white people are being asked to apologize for uh, the color of their skin. And what troubles me is, and you hit the nail on the head when you talked about it divides people in groups it doesn't unify and the last time i read my bible our identity is supposed to be in christ and if you read colossians i believe it's chapter two uh it makes it uh, very clear that yes we're supposed to have reconciliation but it's the reconciliation of the body of christ it's not focused on any one particular group 
And so it's very troubling that critical race theory has been adopted by the Southern Baptists at their last convention. And it's shocking that uh, the Southern Baptists would pass what was called resolution number nine, uh, because they used to be the most conservative of all denominations. And I believe that they would still say they are. It was clear to me that they were clueless uh, when they made that decision. Some of them were not because the people that pushed it knew exactly what they were doing. And it even has a political agenda, doesn't it, um, uh, Monique? It does. Now, let me um, go back to something that you said regarding repenting people, white people needing to repent from the color of their skin. What a social justice warrior would say is, I am not telling you, and it's double talk, because on one hand, they're saying, I am not telling you that you need to repent from being white, but yet on the same hand, you need to divest yourself of your whiteness. And how do you do that? (laughs) Okay, literally separate yourself from your whiteness. But what they're saying is separate yourself and divest yourself from the systems that continue to perpetuate oppression toward people of color. This is always an assumed stance. It's always assumed that people of color are not, not doing anything wrong or that whites are always participating in a system that will put them over someone who's a person of color. Now, Monique, we have to take a break. And when we return, I'd like for you to discuss, if you followed this, how the 1619 Project uh, relates to critical race theory. Each week, the Be The People Show presents interviews with insightful guests from the world of politics, religion, media, and culture. The Be The People Show is on podcast. It offers bonus footage. To listen to Be The People online, go to the BeThePeopleNews.com website and subscribe to the Be The People podcast, heard also on the America Out Loud Network. It's your news and entertainment network. News blogs, informative podcasts, entertaining videos, or listen to 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We the people, AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Last summer, the New York Times and the Pulitzer Center, which is not connected to the uh, Pulitzer Prize, they joined with some black scholars, not, not just black scholars, let's just say scholars, to form something called the 1619 Project. Now, the 1619 uh, ring a bell in your head. What happened in 1619? 1619, the first um, African step foot on America's soil. That's right. And I'm I'm glad you said Africans because what the 1619 Project uh, argues pretty much is that uh, racism has been totally ingrained in the fabric of America and that the true founding of the nation was not 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was signed, but it was 1619 when they say the first slaves came to America. 
And anyone that has studied American history and uh, Professor Foner, Foner, F-O-N-E-R, uh, I believe he's at Columbia, you know, he's done volumes and volumes about uh, history. And in particular, when uh, the first blacks came to America and, and slavery, and he points out that uh, until 1642, the blacks on American soil were indentured servants. So that meant they worked seven years alongside white indentured servants and they were freed or they were released. They had paid their indentureship. And those blacks became the backbone of free blacks in America. And I was um, born and raised in Virginia and Virginia was uh, the state where the first uh, uh, Africans or Caribbeans or some people say, they were, you know, the Portuguese, whatever, first blacks came to America. And on my paternal side, you know, I'm a descendant of slaves, but on the maternal side, my family, they're very proud to let you know uh, that they descend from free Blacks. And so it's more complicated than, than what is being told by the 1619 Project. They get the most basic thing wrong. But until 1661, if a uh, slave, by then, you know, slavery was part of, of our country, if they converted to Christianity, they were released. And so it's not really accurate to say that in 1619, the, you know, this original sin started with slavery. The first blacks came to America in 1619. The problem with the 1619 project is it really uh, argues that everything, uh, that whites are the oppressors and they pretty much um, focus on white supremacy and they don't give whites any credit for anything good in history. It's all um, anti-white. The most serious thing about it is that there are curriculums. 30, over 3,500 schools in America have adopted their, uh, their, their manual for training students about history. Some of the leading histories and some of the leading historians in America have condemned the project because of its because of its historical inaccuracies. So that's a little bit about the 1619 project. And the reason I wanted to talk with you about it is that um, it really ties into the critical race theory because according to their narrative, America was you know birthed in white supremacy and oppression, and blacks have always been the victims. Yes. Oh, you, you've said a lot and there are a lot of good things in there. I want to go back um, to the idea of the original sin and that America was founded on this original sin of racism and that basically what a social justice warrior or critical race theory person will say is that um, America has been founded on slavery and all whites are racist because of slavery. And they leave out the idea that slavery existed way before America came into being. When we look back um, into Bible time, way in the Old Testament and almost near the beginning, we see slavery. And well, we since, see- Since man has been on earth, there yes. there's always been slavery. But what is, tell our audience what's unique about America. 
what's unique about America when we look at it theologically is the man snatching component, this, this stealing of men and bringing them to, to this land. Um, now, America had um, chattel slavery, and so that's different. And I think that people um, want to get into that and hold that as the original sin and hold white people as the people who are guilty for all of America's sin problem or, or making slavery to be America's greatest sin problem. Well, you know, what I would have said is that what's unique about America is that it had an Emancipation Proclamation. You know, we were the nation that uh, showed an unease about slavery from the very beginning. And there were white people that fought against it. The 1619 Project doesn't even give the abolitionists any credit. And it doesn't talk about the philanthropists that set up schools to educate uh, slaves and educate um, the newly freed slaves when slavery was over. You have colleges uh, being set up and funded by white mm -hmm. people. You have a school set up for blacks. And there was a great period of prosperity for blacks that seems to have fallen out of the narrative when you listen to the social justice warriors uh, talk about America. The critical race theory makes it seem, seem like blacks have not been able to overcome because of the legacy of slavery. One of the things that that I do appreciate about critical race theory is that it does want um, want to offer a more complete history. So when I was heavy into critical race theory, I'd always say, you know, why don't we learn the full, a full, more fuller history? But unfortunately, what critical race theory does is it takes out anything that was good um, that whites did contribute. So helping um, blacks to become free helping with, um, you know, the building of universities, helping with scholarships and um, reading and different projects that went on from the time of slavery through today. All of that gets washed out the window. And so it's like we swing the pendulum from one side all the way to the other side without understanding that we're, we're really just doing or critical theory people, critical race theory people are really just doing the exact same thing that we had when I, and I speak for myself when I was doing it, that I had complained about. I'm taking and augmenting history and saying, you know, this doesn't matter. Right. And I'm part of something. I don't know if you've heard of this gentleman. And if you haven't, as soon as we finish this interview, I want you to Google him. His name is Bob Woodson. And he founded the Woodson Center that's in Washington, D.C. He's an 82-year-old black man that's been active in, um, in the communities, you know, all of his life. He founded a group that I'm a part of called 1776 Unites. And what we're trying to do is fill in the missing gaps about um, black ingenuity and perseverance and just all of those things that have been omit, omitted, but also uh, the contributions of whites. We want to retell the, the true history of America, which we believe the 1619 Project and certainly the critical race theorists, they have not told. I actually just came across 1776 literally two days ago. Um, someone emailed me, one of our viewers from our podcast, and 
asked me, hey, have you heard about this? And I was like, what is this? How did I not know about this? And so I'm actually doing some research and just looking at um, the website and finding out who are these people. There's so much that I didn't even know. Well, I believe you could uh, contribute to our project. So we can talk more about that. But right now we need to take another break. And when we return, I want to hear more about you and your background. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesowardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with my guest, Monique Dusen, and we're talking about critical race theory, the church, and pretty much race in America. And uh, Monique is a young person who shifted her position on critical race theory. She's gone from being an advocate to a person that is more skeptical. In fact, she has become critical as far as critical analysis of the movement and the narrative. Uh, Monique, you're relatively young, at least from where I stand, and I want to be contradicted. So we're not going to spend any time with you telling me you're not that young. We haven't met. So I'd like to know a little bit about your journey and why you found critical race theory attractive at one point in your life. So I grew up in South L.A., and um, was there until I was about 15, then moved to North Hollywood, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. And especially when I was in, in South LA, um, I was there during the riots. The conversation uh, that was in my home and the conversation at school was along the lines of, look at us as Black people. This is what happens when white people um, interfere with the, the LA riots and things like um, Rodney King, it was, look how the white man keeps us down. White people never want us to get ahead. This, these are things that I had conversations with my teachers about and had this, um, this idea reflected in my home. And so to me, whites were just always presented as the bad guys. I never questioned it. Um, I never questioned, should I grow up and vote Democrat? Because that was the party for people like me, people who were black, people who grew up and didn't have much. And I mean, my home was rocky. And so I was supposed to vote for things that would um, implement systems that would help us. So welfare systems and government aid and things like that, because, you know, we needed more whatever the aid was. So, so where did you go to college? I went to college at Biola University, which is a predominantly white Christian university. I dropped out of high school in 10th grade. So there was that. I dropped out. And eventually, um, a few years later, when I was about 21, went back to a junior college, transferred over, and then went to Biola. And I studied sociology. And this is where I learned about critical race theory. I mean, sociology is just a crock. I'm sorry um, to say that to people that have sociology. sociology degrees, hate to say that to them, but a lot of the principles, and if you look at the founding of the quote, social science, it's the weakest of the social sciences as far as reality. Now, this is just my opinion. 
Well, I love sociology and I loved it because I, I, at the time I wanted to go back and get my master's in social work and work with kids in, you know, impoverished areas and things like that. So I thought that was the best way to do it. But now when I look at sociology, the ideas that are being platformed and put forth when I was in school have shifted so much more toward critical theory now that I'm, I couldn't, um, I couldn't justify that. I couldn't justify telling a young person, hey, you should really go and study sociology because they just become indoctrinated in this theory, not to mention that culture by itself is so critical theory laden. Um, but yeah, I, I studied sociology and actually I'm going to go back and get my master's in theology so that we can... Okay, that's great. Yeah, I'm looking to really speak into churches and correct some of the, the errors that are coming in because of critical theory. Now, what is your church background? So I didn't go to church until I was about 15. Well, my grandmother took me when I was like 9, 10, but... Just the it, denomination. It was, that was Baptist. I had no idea. She would just make me come and I would go home. But at 15, I accepted the Lord in my heart and um, really began my own walk with God at a multicultural church up in North Hollywood. And that was Assembly of God. And, and I now, stayed. So you are what we would call a spirit-filled Christian. Yes. Yes. So I can... The Holy Spirit has led you away from uh, social justice, critical theory towards what? towards truth. Right. <laughs> you know, you. like I, I, I said something at a conference I was speaking at a couple weeks ago and I was like, you know, there is something different. We do not have to be woke. There is something greater than the woke movement. And that is the truth of Jesus Christ. Right. So we can exchange it and we can live in the truth that we don't have to be oppressed and oppressor. There is something greater. Well, Monique, I am so uh, thrilled to have met you by email and to have had this interview. And I hope that our paths cross again. In fact, I'm going to connect you with uh, Bob Woodson. And maybe we can stay in contact because I believe what you're doing is very important as a young person. There are lots of people that will not listen to someone like me. Um, you know, I'm 65, in fact. My birthday will be very soon. I'll be 66. Well, happy so early I'll, birthday. Well, thank you. But uh, you have um, a message as a young person. I like the way you arrived at it. And I think you're going to have a huge uh, impact in America. So I thank you so much for your time and hope to talk with you again. Thank you so much, Dr. Swain. And you've been listening to the Be The People show. And this is the show where we urge the we the people, the we the people mentioned in the preamble of the Constitution and stand up and be the people who change their cities, their states, and their world. Until next time.